This is Minnesota Liberty, brought to you by the Libertarian Party of Minnesota, bringing you peace, prosperity, and freedom from the land of 10,000 lakes. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Minnesota Liberty, sponsored by the Libertarian Party of Minnesota. My name is Rebecca Whiting, as your host, and I have with me here tonight Harrison Hicks, um, otherwise known as Sherrison Schicks. Uh, in case you ever want to look him up. So um, uh, just real quick before we get into tonight's episode, I have some events to update um, you know, people on. So September 3rd, the Libertarian Party has a virtual meet and greet via Zoom. That is uh, the first and third Sunday of every month at 8 p.m. So if you're interested in the Zoom link, just send us a, an email and or if you already get the emails, it should be in there someplace. Um, September 12th, CD5 is having a meeting at Spring Street, Spring Street Tavern at 6.30. September 13th, CD4 is also having a meeting at Stouts at 7 p.m. September 14th, CD2 is meeting at Fireside Restaurant at 6.30 p.m. September 23rd, Libertarian Women Women of Dakota and Goodhue Counties um, is hosting a discussion, and it says on, but um, I guess, I'll, anyways. Also, September 9th, it's not on the list, but Beltrami Affiliates up in northern Minnesota is having um, our affiliate meeting at 7 p.m. at Bridget's Pub, and that is a Saturday <laughs> evening. <laughs> um, anyways, so tonight, oh, Last thing, actually. Also, we have I have a booth at the state fair, and we need volunteers. So if you feel like you know that's something you could do, we need somebody to man the booth, the whole fair. Um, just reach out, and we'll get you plugged in. All right. So this evening, we are actually going to talk about homesteading, uh, which is I mean, personally, this is one of my favorite topics. So, um, and Harrison is from up here in Bemidji, also, or. Um, out of town. Well, we're both technically from out of town. Um, I've been there long enough. I guess I can call myself a Bemidjeite. Oh yeah, but you don't live in town in Bemidji. Like live. Thankfully, no. Yeah, me either. We live outside of city limits, so it does make things a little easier. Mm -hmm. um, so, anyways, we're just going to speak about homesteading, and I was thought we would start the discussion on basically how to get started. Like, what is homesteading to you? What do you guys do? Kind of explain um, what you do at your place to, you know, I, and I know you guys do it for the same reason we do it. A uh, little bit of, you know, extra independence will provide, mm -hmm. you know, things for yourself, resources. Um, but all of those come with a necessary set of skills, right? So go ahead and yeah. let us know. Um, well, yeah, it, it's kind of a necessity in northern Minnesota. Yeah. Pretty much in Minnesota in general, you need to be more resilient and self-reliant than you would in other parts of the country and up here especially so. Uh, we talked a bit about it in the last podcast, but just from happenstance, if you get like a nail in your tire or something in the middle of winter, I mean, you could be in some real trouble if yeah. you're prepared. Um, and something as small as that could leave you really screwed. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of little practices that, that everybody engages in to some extent or another. And then it kind of gets you in the mindset, you know, once, once you get the basics down, you're like, okay, wow, this is kind of cool. I can mm -hmm. not worry about this sort of thing anymore. What else can I do to, to make myself more self-reliant and not have to worry about other things. And then many. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a pretty straightforward motivation as far as that goes. Um, Do you think it actually I, saves you money? It certainly can, yeah. Um, it, uh, there's there's a lot of upfront costs with homesteading, I've found. Yeah. But once you get things set up, yes. Um, in particular, eggs right now is like the standout example because we've got some chickens and uh, especially with like the post-COVID stuff where prices were just going through the roof. I mean, people were complaining about egg prices. They're just insane. And uh, I always had way too many eggs. And I was like, yeah, boy, that sucks. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so we, um, we, baked, we bake for the farmer's market. And so mm -hmm. I go through an extraordinary amount of eggs a week, mm -hmm. right? 
I was paying upwards of $30 um, for a five gallon, like, you know, box case of eggs. So six dozen, $6 a dozen. That's a lot of, that's a lot of money for eggs. Yep. Every little bit adds up, you know? So that, that's how I see it. Just like small, they're, they're like projects basically. Just like, okay, this is the next thing I want to not worry about. So how can I (laughs) go about setting that up? And it's got a cumulative effect too, you know, and mm-hmm. we started out with a couple of chickens. I had a garden, um, you know, just a raised garden bed. So it wasn't even a lot. It was just, you know, I had like a couple of four by eight spots that I had built up and I was growing cucumbers and tomatoes and things like that. And then I got a couple of chickens and then I did well with the chickens and the garden. And I was like, Hey, we need rabbits, <laughs> you know? And so yeah. we just kept adding onto things um, to where now we have uh, dairy animals and we raise pigs and, you know, things of that nature. That's just, you know, one little extra thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Every year I'm just like, Oh, what can we do new this this year? But I'm kind of running out of ideas to do new, but some of the old things just do better. Right. Yeah. I I find that to be a little more satisfying just because it doesn't hurt so much up front. Um, when you're doing a new thing, you gotta invest a bunch of money to get the thing. Yeah. Whatever the new thing is, you know, you're gonna do a greenhouse or something that costs a ton of money. But uh, fixing yeah. up or improving what you already have, it's quicker, it's easier, it's cheaper, and yeah, I like that better. Yep, I know. This year we did a lot in the garden, um, but we didn't grow anything. <laughs> we mm. did a lot of soil prep. So that's something that, you know, when you're working on gardening, and I know you guys do a lot of gardening too, mm-hmm. um, trying to get an area ready that can um, accommodate a good sized garden. I have a mm-hmm. cat that's just knocking things off the shelf behind me. So if you hear things, that's what it is. Um, but, you know, having like a space to put a garden, you got to kill off all the weeds, all the grass. Mm-hmm all the, you know, the things that would just grow right back as soon as you took it out um, without proper management. And that's what we did this year. We did, took our garden space and we kept it empty of vegetables. And then we just kept tilling it. Um, I planted oats, tilled it in, make the soil healthier, anticipating for next year, you know, being able to have better soil to grow better vegetables. Right. So... Speaking of weeds that grow back, do you have any pro tips on burdock? Because that is oh. the current bane of our existence. <laughs> no. Because um, even if you pull it out, you, you just can't possibly get all the roots. Right. Uh, and it just comes right back. Although it is edible. I don't know. So take what you want from that. It. Yeah. The roots of burdock or burdock is edible. Yeah. like They make like root beer kind of stuff out of it, right? Um... I mean, I'm going to Google this really quick before I like yeah. give you a um, what it is good for. Because I'm tra- now I'm trying to like remember, and my brain's a little tired. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. um, I'll come back to that. Yeah, um, stupid. Yes, yeah. so, I mean, and that's the thing too. A lot of weeds are just edible. You got to if you know your weeds. Right. Yeah. But you don't want them growing in with your carrots because then you won't get carrots. Right. So maybe we should start with that, um, like talking about gardening and like, um, you know, trying to get a, a garden up and going. What kind of things do you guys like to plant? Because that also determines your garden space, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, squash is always a big one. Zucchini, summer squash. Um, yeah. Those just go gangbusters in our house, which is great because they're very bountiful. There's a lot of the food that you get for them. Um, and they're not hard to grow. And yeah, that's a good place to start. Um, Leah is more the gardening one of the two of us. Uh, it's definitely more her baby. Um, I'd like to get into it more than I do, but I just don't have as much time. So it yeah. doesn't work out. But um, yeah, she, she kind of posts these videos on Facebook every now and then of updates of how that's been going i think this year she tried a few different herbs that she hasn't tried before she tried sage and and that was working really well that'll grow um, back 
If yeah, that's a good pack one. Straw around it, it'll overwinter, even up oh, here. Nice. All right, yeah, I'll check that it'll out. It'll get woodier as it gets older, like like a bush almost. But yeah, mm -hmm. it'll overwinter. Oh, nice. Yeah, a few different herbs. She did some flowers. She hasn't really done flowers before. It just kind of as an indulgence, I guess. You know, yeah. something pretty to have around, and 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 that was pretty satisfying for. Um, and those went well. Uh, a lot of perennials that way um let's see what else she does beans always has some either pole beans green beans whatever you know some kind of bean and uh, she'll usually get like something every year something different um like this year she tried to get some it was like a black and white like a zebra striped bean or something like that and, and they accidentally sent her something different and she planted it it was like oh surprise you know whatever we get we get yeah we're and, uh, uh where do you order your seeds from? Oh gosh, I don't know. She she searches all over. Okay, so right, maybe I should have her on the podcast. You probably should. As far as gardening goes, yeah, she would be more the one to talk to. Um, for the stuff that I do, it's more just uh, like infrastructure projects. That's kind of my yeah. main concern. Um, so, what do you guys do for your like infrastructure wise for your garden? Because up here, you got to protect it from the deer. Right. So do you um, have a fence? We do have fence. Uh, it's just like, a, like we've tried a few different things. We've tried some chain link. We've tried some um, various types of netting on like T-posts or whatever. And none of it has really worked that well. So yeah. And, and probably other things too. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows what's back there? <laughs> um, at this point, I'm just kind of just done with it. So yeah. I, I've always wanted to do a greenhouse, like a proper big greenhouse, like a high tunnel or something like that. And every single year, it's the same song and dance. Spring comes around and Leah's like, oh, I want to do a garden. Can we go get some more netting and T-posts and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, hon, you know, we're going to be throwing away like $200 on this. And it's not going to yeah. get to do it. And then she gets all jazzed and we do it anyway. And it's a ton of work and it's a pain <laughs> in the butt. And then the deer come and eat all her stuff in September. And she gets frustrated. She's upset. And I'm like, I told you so, which isn't helping. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I think so, this year we're finally working on the high tunnel grant. And hopefully we'll be able to start working on that. Uh, so two things I got uh, for you is yeah. that one for, for deer, because you've kind of seen our garden space. It's yeah, it's a little big. Yes. Um, and one of the things that has worked for us for deer is that, on the T posts, I take um, zip ties mm -hmm. and PVC pipe, like the three quarter inch, that's big enough, PVC pipe, and I zip tie it to the, the T posts and mm -hmm. then string um, between, between all the T posts, just weave it in, you know, however far apart your T posts are, put a, put a PVC, because they're 10 feet long each, right? So put a three quarter inch PVC, just zip tie it to the whole thing so it'll go 10 feet high. And then I either take uh, fishing wire or some sort of like cheap, um, you know, just that bright colored string that you can get at right, Depot like or wherever. Or yeah. yeah. And it's just, it's real thin, but it'll get the job done and weave it in between the T-posts mm -hmm. and then go as high as you can because, I mean, the deer can clear easily. We are four foot. We have a well uh, woven wire four foot fence up high. But then on top of that, the PVC, I just weave in the string. And, um, you know, as high as you can reach because the deer can clear six feet. Um, right. But they're going to be less likely to try and get up to like eight or something, you know. Mm. So, um, but then that's just a real cheap, easy way to extend the, the fencing um, through the summer. Mm. We've tried everything else. Nothing else works. Um, huh. But everywhere where I have the the PVC attached to the T posts with the string woven through that it does work. So is that like just drilling holes in the PVC and then no, nope. no, because the string has a little bit of a stretch to it. So you just tie it off on the corner and then just keep it, you know, kind of pulled a little tight and then just kind of weave it through. And um, you know, no matter how long it is. And I mean, I've, I think our, uh, you know, for people that are end up watching this, an indication of how big our garden is. It's about, it's it's narrow, but it's very long. I want to say it's probably 400 feet long from where our driveway starts is where the garden starts. And then it goes all the way back 
to our high tunnel. Um, mm -hmm. And then we just have the the PVC attached to the T-post just with, you know, zip ties. So super easy. And then mm -hmm. just string it through and just it's got enough of a stretch to where it holds itself into place. And you can move it up and down the the. I mean, so if you like weave it through and then you just go back and adjust it later. That's what I do. Um, hmm. That way I'm not just, you know, taking a ladder and going to every one and then putting it up and then moving all 400 feet down, you know, because <laughs> that's right, right. that's a lot. But, you know, it's it's just it's enough of, um, you know, the string doesn't snap. I've never had that. string, And all this is like the the cheap string with the bright colors like pink, orange, purple, whatever color it is at Home Depot. Real thin. It's enough because the deer, if they hit it and they test it, or if they're just, you know, um, paying attention, they don't, they're not sure what to do or whatever. They, mm -hmm. and if it's up high enough, they don't try to jump over it, especially, I mean, we're surrounded in woods too. So um, if we get it up early enough in the season and they haven't actually tasted anything in our garden yet, then they're less likely to test it also. That's a good so, tip. Yeah. Um, and about the high tunnel, we actually built our own, mm. um, just out of, um, you know, the steel chain link top rail, right? That's 10 feet long. And we got a bender and we just bent them. Um, but the, yeah, there's a grant that you can get through the USDA too, that that's, um, they've, you know, depending on whether you get it, you do have to pay for everything up front. And they reimburse you for the high tunnel, but that's usually, you should have Leah um, apply for it. So I'll give her preference as a woman. We, we've already applied for it. Yeah. Oh, nice. And she, she did it. So yeah, good. <laughs> she already had the property like designated <laughs> as agricultural land or something yeah. like that. So, yeah. so like, when I called, they were like, we don't see you on here, but we see Leah and, and yeah, looks yeah. like your property's ready to go. So like, cool. Good. Yeah. yeah. It's a good program. They can, I don't, well, I don't know what it is now, but it used to be um, that they would pay for like up to $6,000 or I think that was the cap back then, but it's probably changed now. I haven't looked into it for a while. And then, yeah, we're excited. So, yeah. Um, and with, you know, with high tunnels, you can extend your growing season, especially up here mm -hmm. where we're going to have frost at least up until the first of June, if not yep. mid June. Yep. Um, and then we should start getting frost again here within just a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. So, yep, won't be long. Yeah, and Bemidji up north, we're zone three. Uh, you know, southern Minnesota, zone four. I'm not sure if we have any zone five in Minnesota. I think everything is four or three. But what else do you guys do to help extend your growing season? Or do you do anything up until this point? Um, Leah just got a grant for a hydroponic system. Um, okay. It was like two fifty or something like that. Decent amount of money. And uh, so we're going to try setting up a hydroponic system here in the basement. Um, I think she was doing that as part of the homeschool thing that she's been doing. Okay. Um, which has kind of been a big selling point for a lot of different grants that she's been applying for. And she's gotten quite a few at this point. It's kind of amazing how much money there is that you can just apply for, just ask for, and they'll give it to you. Um, so, yeah, that's been uh, really something else. I mean, this basement was paid for in a fair part from grant money, um, just as far as getting it all finished off and everything. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the hydroponics thing is going to be the next fun project <laughs> I have to fit in. So are you um, doing just vegetables or are you doing fish with it? It's no, no fish uh, as of yet. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Baby steps, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, clearly something you've probably considered at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely looked into it. Yeah. It's appealing. It's uh, yeah. We just got to get but, there one step at a time. Yeah. Again. We have to talk to you about the grants afterwards. That's yeah, for sure. Never even considered it. Um, but okay. So I guess we're kind of, I'm like, rabbit trails here anyways uh, okay. you uh high tunnels and gardening and then um what do you guys besides chickens do you guys have anything else 
At the moment, no. Uh, we have had we had a couple of goats. Um, we had some ducks that I killed. Actually, <laughs> funny story with that. So yeah, the the ducks were like our first foray into uh, animals on our property, and and I was kind of dubious of it. I was like, I don't know, you know, ducks really, but, but she really wanted them, and you know, oh, I really want these ducks. They're so cute. Check these out. They're so cute, right? We should get them. And I'm like, yeah, fine, whatever, go get them. But I don't want to have to deal with it. Okay, yeah, okay. it's hard not to be impulsive at the farm store, honestly. It really is. I understand it. <laughs> um, but on our on the end of the house that our bedroom is on, it's well shaded and kind of damp over there outside. Mm-hmm. And so the ducks would like hanging out over there, like right under our bedroom window. So every morning at like 5 a.m., we get all these ducks, quack, 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 and they just wake me up, drive me nuts. And uh, I was losing sleep over it. Leah was losing sleep over it. It was starting to be a pain. And one day I had just had enough. I was just done. And it was like a Saturday morning or something. You know, I, I had to get my sleep and they weren't letting me. And I was just done. So I just got up out of bed, threw on, I think it was this bathrobe, and uh, grabbed my Lynx 12 shotgun, which is a semi-auto magazine-fed 15-round banana clip of 12-gauge. And, uh, yeah, just popped that in and stormed out the back sliding glass door and just started laying waste. And uh, <laughs> I, I was kind of keeping count as I was going, and, I, and there was, like, one that I thought was missing. I was like, I think I'm one short, but I don't know where it is. I can't find it. Um, some weeks later, I was over at the neighbor's house, just talking to the neighbor. He was a cool guy. Uh, he grew weed before it was legal and, uh, and he was friendly with it. Um, <laughs> so him and I had a good, good neighborly relationship that way. And, uh, we're just chatting away and I see this duck on his property, like at the end of his driveway. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's the duck. And he goes, yo, oh, yeah, yeah, that's your duck. And he's never coming back. <laughs> he said, I saw you on that morning. I woke up early that morning, and I was looking out the window, and I saw you come storming out your bathroom with your shotgun. And I just started laughing. <laughs> poor ducks. <laughs> yeah, poor ducks. But made that guy's day so great. <laughs> um, I have another funny duck story, although I didn't cause the death of the duck. I just want to be very clear up front. <laughs> yeah, sorry to PETA people in the audience today. <laughs> we, had a, uh, we had a duck, um, and I called it zombie duck, or we called it, so we named it zombie duck, because you can't kill the undead. And yeah. this duck was, it had lived through like four different predator attacks or something like that. And it just kept getting like, it you know, you could tell it had been attacked and then it would survive through it. And you're like, oh, I'm not sure if this is going to make it this time. Something because right. we had an owl for a while. And so that's another thing out here, like living in the woods, like our chickens, everything's got to yep. be totally protected because we have we have owls, we have foxes, skunks. Yep. I mean, everything that'll eat a chicken eats the chickens and the yep. ducks, right? The poultry. Exactly. So like anyways, this duck, though, it just it was a white Pekin duck. And it just kept living through the predator attacks. And you you could tell in the morning, like, oh, something else happened. And, you know, but it would then it would recover. And so finally, one day I looked, it had gotten attacked again. And it was like missing its eye and <laughs> feathers were gone. I was like, I'm just going to relieve it of its misery. And I, you know, we'll just like have it for dinner, you know, cause that's, mm-hmm. that's what we do with our birds. Like we, you know, we raise them to eat them. Right. And so I was like, right. all right, it's fine. I'm just going to take care of it right here. However, I have a daughter um, that oh, has no. red curly hair and she is just like the animal lover at our house. Right. She's mm-hmm. just, we used to call her the animal whisperer. Cause she just like cuddled everything. Mm-hmm. And I got the duck and I'm like, it's in bad shape. Like something, you know, obviously got it. And I'm doing chores that evening and I'm out at the bar and I'm like, you know, I've got my hatchet. I'm just going to like take care of it right here and I'll take it inside and pluck it. And right as um, 
no, actually that didn't happen first. I couldn't find the hatchet. And so I like twisted its neck because that's another way of killing a duck, right. uh, you know, like chicken, right. you just right. its head right off. Right. And so I grabbed it and I did that and it just, I couldn't get its like neck to snap. But I thought, you know, <laughs> if I just hold it here, it's going to stop. And eventually it stopped kicking and I set it down the ground so I could take it inside with my stuff. And it like literally like two minutes later, it popped back up and walked away. And so I was like, all right, it's still, you know, it's still, it's in awful shape. That's when I pulled out the hatchet and I was like, I'm just going to take care of it and take it inside and we're going to pluck it and eat it and, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Have it like stretched out on the table and like hatchets raised and right as my daughter comes walking around the corner and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, (laughs) nothing, (laughs) you know? And um, so we got, huh? Just walking with my hatchet, you know. (laughs) We live in the woods. That's not abnormal. Right. (laughs) Uh, So anyways, the duck got to keep, you know, I didn't kill it that day. And it, and it actually recovered from that. And I mean, like, it was awful looking. Like it was, it needed, (laughs) this was a mercy kill, right? Yeah. And, um, and then I want to say it was like six months later, it, it died because a hay bale fell out of the, farm uh, out of the hayloft and landed right on the duck that's how zombie duck died <laughs> like after all of that wow that's killed zombie duck so, <laughs> anyways that's kind of a morbid story but that is we still talk about zombie duck i don't know i mean maybe it lived through it and it just went to go live with the neighbor <laughs> but yeah maybe maybe um so ducks chickens you know, we, we raise chickens for eggs and meat. We do meat mm-hmm. birds too. Um, although, like I said, we out here, you know, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. Yeah. And, you know, not even with just poultry, but with all livestock, you know, um, when you're kind of living away. Go wrong. Yeah. Every in year. Ways, like, like, especially animal babies. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> You get mutations and you're like, oh my God, what am I looking at? Ugh, you know? Wow. Weird I'm trying stuff. to think if that ever happened. I'm not sure that ever happened with our goats um, or sheep. We never had anything weird. Sometimes we just had some that, you know, were just not, they were born weak and didn't make it. Yeah. Um, but I don't think we've ever had any weird, strange mutations. Um, although... I know with even like uh, because of like being part of the farmer's market, we so I'm surrounded by a lot of old farmers all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's like every spring and even they will tell you, you know, you just something know. new goes wrong that you didn't know could go wrong, but it did. And so you're always yep. like keeping things are just keeping you on your toes and then you have to figure out how to react. And yeah, sometimes like experience there's Facebook yeah. groups for like animal husbandry and stuff like that, and, yep. and I've seen some pictures. I'm like, whoa! I I didn't know that could happen. It's like watching <laughs> yeah. the thing, you know, like that old John Carpenter movie. And yeah. You get like the dog's head coming out of the blob. You're like, ah, oh my god. Well, to be fair, that's where everybody's problems go. So you don't see all the success, you know, like. Well, yeah, right. You know, like a centralization of the issues, you know. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But still, it's like. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, so you guys had goats at some point, and we I don't did. think we had, had a, we had a couple dwarf goats. They were really cute. They were a lot of fun. They did not eat everything like they were supposed to. They were super picky, and it uh, goats uh, don't. <laughs> I don't know. Like everybody told us, oh yeah, they'll eat anything, you whatever. And it was no, people who had goats, and we're like, oh, okay, great. So we got goats, thinking there goes all our kitchen waste, you know, easy peasy. Nope. Yeah, goats, I um, I never, I had this book as a kid, um, like Gregory the Goat, uh, something, Gregory the Goat, I don't remember, anyways, but it was about a goat that was mm-hmm. a picky eater or something, I can't remember, but he was, you know, implied, like, I grew up with this impression that goats eat everything. Right. And goats don't they don't eat everything they're actually very picky eaters mm-hmm. yeah um, frustrating to find out yeah so we we give our goats hay pretty much they get hay year round um mm-hmm. sometimes they get grain 
uh, oats, barley, wheat, corn, that kind of stuff. Not a lot of corn because it's not actually, they have trouble digesting it, goats do in general, but because um, our goats are mainly, have mainly been for milking. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys like goat milk? I haven't really tried it. Like they, they were young when we got them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess they were kind of weak or something. They didn't really make it through winter. Yeah. Um, so never really got to find out, I guess. I guess I could get some from like Harmony Co-op or something, but just haven't gotten around to it. I like I'm goat cheese. I'm not sure if they have goat milk at the co-op. I think they did at least. I'm sure I've seen did it. Did they? Yeah. Yeah. I um, like that it's place, but it's got a lot of socialists. What's that? I Call like that Harmony. place, but it's got a lot of socialists. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always yeah. like walking my six when I'm in there. <laughs> I I know uh, several people that work there. So every time I walk in, I hear my name like at least three or four times. Yeah. Um, and, you know, then you got to stop and talk to everybody, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah. Small town. It's just the way yeah. it is. <laughs> but, yeah, they have like a like a herbal, you know, bulk herb section and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And that's usually if I go in there, that's what it's for. Yeah, um, that was a cool addition. I was glad they, they added that, that yeah. whole herbal section. Yeah. Nice. So you guys do a lot of cooking and baking and that kind of stuff for yourself? Yeah. Um, Leah's kind of experimental. She'll just like throw things together and it turns out great. Um, I kind of have my my go-tos that I'm... Mm-hmm that I do a lot of and then I'll like find other recipes on Pinterest and I'll try those and those usually turn out well or I'll tweak them or whatever. Uh, I don't usually go totally rogue like she does. Um, I'm but, really yeah. bad at following recipe. I'm not sure if that's a, a woman thing or not. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I grew up with an Italian family, so cooking has definitely been a part of my upbringing and, uh, yeah, I'm not a bad cook. I, I was a cook for a little while in a restaurant. Uh, learned a lot there. Yeah, so that's pretty yeah, cool. Because, you know, for homesteading, pretty much everything revolves around dinner time. You know? Yeah, so, pretty much. Uh, if everything that you do on a small farm or homestead is, I mean, it all relates always back to eating. Mm-hmm. So you know, the eggs, the chickens, the milk that for the goats, for the milk, the garden for the vegetables, um, all of that kind of stuff. So if you are, uh, you know, do homesteading kinds of things, you really have to know, you know, you know how to cook for yourself too. Mm-hmm. That's a really good place for people to start too, that are, you know, maybe in their situation is in town or in city or in an apartment, but just being able to utilize vegetables and things from scratch mm-hmm. and knowing how to prepare them and how to cook for yourself. Because I mean, even if you know how to grow it, if you don't know how to cook it, what's the point? <laughs> you know? Right. It, it's, it's interesting to me how there's different uh, realms of skills and knowledge that end up correlating with each other. And so that, you know, there's, there's various pipelines into homesteading. And I think Pinterest was a big move for that kind of stuff because a lot of people were interested in just seeing all the pretty cute delicious looking things on there and then they realized oh gosh i could try that and then they did and more or less got into kind of homesteading stuff and and now you've got like trad wife hashtags on tiktok and all kinds of other weird stuff going on and it's, it's become this huge snowball of uh weird culture wars but it's it's fun too you know as, as obnoxious as some of it can be it's, it's also a lot of fun and it's cool to see people enriching their own lives and learning how to do things for themselves i mean when you yeah. first make when, when you make your first like real loaf of bread on your own mm-hmm. that you didn't buy i think that's an eye-opening thing for a lot of people like oh my god this is really good and it wasn't that hard yeah bread baking is actually really easy Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things I do for the farmer's market. I pretty much the way that I approach our place and our small farm and everything we do here, I always do, um, in double. So mm-hmm. if I buy chickens, I buy enough chickens that can provide eggs for us. And then also so that I have some extra to sell. 
so right. that the chickens, um, you know, it's kind of knocking that ingredient off the grocery list, like the eggs. But then mm -hmm. if I have enough extra and I can turn around and sell them, then the chickens are, I'm paying for the chickens. I'm paying for the feed for the chickens, mm -hmm. you know, so all of those kinds of things. So when we, when we do pigs um, and I have, we have three pigs in our barn right now, still waiting to be processed and we butcher ourselves. So we, you know, taking off the cost of sending it to somebody else to be processed right. and packaged and all that kind of stuff. So we had to learn how to not only raise the pig and finish off, you know, finish, finish growing because there's um, raising it from a baby, but then there's also finishing it so that you can get it to a, a good weight for processing. Mm -hmm. um, but then also knowing how to um, kill it and how to gut it and how to, you know, act, and do that in a humane way. Mm -hmm. Um and in a clean way too, because if you don't kill something in a clean way, you can ruin a lot of the meat, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then we skin our pigs. We don't leave the skin on when we process. We just take the skin off after they're dead and hanging and the, you know, everything's drained out of it. Um, and then packaging it, knowing where to cut and how to make the right cuts. Um, Keep the so, fat on with the, from the skin. Um, we keep the fat, but not on the skin. It depends okay. on the pig, really, as to how much fat there is. Um, for instance, uh, corn makes fat. So if you have like a nice marbling, um, the, and the marbling is the fat versus the meat, corn mm -hmm. makes fat, grain makes um, muscle, right? So uh, and pigs that are more pasture-raised and raised on a higher mineral content will have a redder meat. So when you go to a grocery store, I and I, you know, this is one of the downsides to having a homestead and raising pigs for ourselves. Because when I go to the grocery store and I look at the pork there, and you know, because pork's the other white meat, right? Mm -hmm. uh, pork's not supposed to be white. It's not supposed to be pink at all. It's it a healthy pig meat has a nice deep red color to it so mm. the stuff that they sell on the shelf if you're seeing pink that was actually not a healthy pig i mean it might have looked healthy on the outside and been right to a good weight but it was not fed in a way that um was that met its nutritional needs well um, sure yeah. anything that i mean they're just trying to crank up the fat volume as much as they can yeah yeah, and so when I talk about like, yeah, something that's corn fed, it puts on it puts on the fat. So that's where you get a lot of fat mm -hmm. um, from pigs. And we don't feed. I mean, it depends on where they are, but you know, a little bit of corn isn't going to do a lot because you do kind of like that fat in some way, but not to yeah. the extent where that that's a very heavy part of their diet. Um, we got this hog one time from a friend because working with farmers markets you know you you have make a lot of farmer friends yeah and this lady did pasture raised hogs um down in nisswa um and she messaged me and she was like hey i have these hogs they're our old you know breeding stock and they're just i want to sell them it was like a hundred bucks per hog and she's like, I'm just selling them to get rid of them. You know, I'm not trying to make any money off of them. But because they were rotating in younger breeding stock for their pasture-raised pork um, products. And so I was like, oh, sure. You know, $100 a hog. She was like, oh, and by the way, they're 800 pounds. Ooh. I went down to Niswa with a horse trailer. And those, I, those two... I got two of them, $100 a piece. Those two hogs filled up my horse trailer. Like when you think pigs, you don't think like horse size. These were horse size hogs. Oh my God. Like we, <laughs> we had wow. a really hard time getting them into the trailer because they were so heavy. They couldn't make the nine inch step up into the horse trailer. And so when we finally got them in and I drove them back home, you know, we kind of come back home. 
uh, we're trying to get them, we realized very quickly that we can't get the 800 pound hogs back out of the horse trailer. Oh, it's just lovely. as hard as they can't step up that nine inches because they're so big and heavy. They also can't step back down. <laughs> nice. um, when those were killed and gutted, and then we had a tractor with um, forks to, and we, you know, strung them up by their feet and then pulled them up so that we could start skinning them. Minus the head, because we took the head off, it maxed out how high our forks went, and it was still barely off the ground. Like, my husband's six feet tall, and he's not a little guy, and this made right. him look absolutely puny, like all stretched out. <laughs> but at 800 pound hog, it ended up being about 500 pounds of pork from each animal. Wow. Yeah, that was a good day, right? A lot of, a lot of work, but that was a good day. Yes. Um, and, and the thing I noticed about it was that even though they're, so, they're aged, because you know, the older Typically, the older an animal gets, the more tough its meat is. It's why you, mm -hmm. you try to eat younger animals yeah. because the meat is just more tender. Uh, but that wasn't the case with these hogs. And they were completely pasteurized. They were supplemented with um, like uh, produce that was left over from grocery stores that she had access to. Mm -hmm. So they were just getting like strictly a vegetable diet, right? And, um, you know, grass and hay and that kind of stuff. Um, but there was, uh, the, the meat was just a very bright, deep red. It was, and almost no marbling. There was so little fat on these pigs. But that was from being pasteurized. Mm -hmm. um, because they weren't getting things like, you know, corn or, or grain yeah, or that right. kind of stuff, you know. So, hmm. That was the difference between like our hogs that we raise. Um, we don't have pasture here. We have we have to bring in hay. We don't have enough acreage yeah. to pasture raise animals like that. Um, but that was very interesting. The difference in quality and color of um, a pasture raised animal versus, you know, uh, not completely conventional, but close closer than pasture raised. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So, and the other thing with like pork is that you have to know how to smoke it and cure it. Um, cause making mm. bacon is a process. Making yeah. hams is a process. Yeah. Have you ever done anything like that? I have not done it, but I know of the process from other people who have done it. And, and I know it's not just carving off some pork belly and calling it a day. No. It's, Although it's that is delicious. Formal. Yeah. Pork belly is fantastic. Huge yeah. in Chinese cooking, which I'm kind of an Asian cooking yeah. fiend that way. So pork belly is wonderful. Yeah, but it yeah, is really good. Is, bacon is something else. Bacon's, bacon is a skill that takes some mm -hmm. practice to get mm -hmm. good bacon. Uh, we tried to make bacon a couple of times. And after that, I was like, oh, we're just going with the pork belly. <laughs> you know? Because yeah. um, you also just... You have to, and we salt cured ours, right? So we salt cured it and then we smoked it. But then it really, to make good bacon, you have to start, good bacon starts with how you skin the animal and how you, um, you know, make your cuts too. And if those aren't done right from the moment that they're killed, your bacon's not going to be as good. Hmm. Um, so that's why we just kind of stick with the pork belly, but. Yeah. Pork belly is really delicious. That's what we are going to have tomorrow. We had hawks, ham hawks in our dinner tonight from our pigs. Nice. Those are also really good. Yeah. Um, so what is something that you would like to add in the future? Like something that besides the greenhouse and the aquaponics, do you have anything a little... I, have you ever, have you guys ever considered dairy animals? Leah has. I, I don't think we're ready for it yet. I'm it's definitely open to it. I yeah. think we have enough, uh, I think we've got enough acreage to do that well enough. Um, but yeah, that, that would require more time than I'm able to give it right now. Um, but eventually, yes. 
uh, I just know what a big commitment real life yeah. is. And it's like, I'm not there yet, but it's a process. It just takes time. Yeah. Eventually. Require your presence twice a day for milking. <laughs> and we've tried to only milk um, cows and goats once a day. And they just don't keep production up like they would if they were milked twice a day. So they, their milk cycles, they, it goes, um, because they're, when an animal, uh, you know, kids are calves, so a goat kids and cow calves. Um, and when, when that happens, then the milk cycle starts and you get your first few days of colostrum. But if you're not keeping up with the milk, they peak out about six weeks once after they've had their babies. Mm-hmm. And then they milk for about 10 months. And then there's just kind of this slow decline after six yeah. weeks. Um, so, yeah, it is a commitment twice a day. <laughs> Got to be there for your, your animals to milk them. And that's one reason why we haven't taken vacations. <laughs> right. You just can't. Like, yeah. Unless you got like a really good friend who knows how to milk a goat too. It's, it's like you're stuck. So. Yeah, most people don't have that. <laughs> most people don't have that. Although that is one nice thing about homesteading in general is you usually end up meeting other people who who do the same kind of things and you build really good connections that way, yeah. um, which is critical for the survivalist aspect that, that I kind of orient myself towards. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. That's what I, I approach it with, you know, like if the grid were to go down today, what do we need? And I don't want to just like survive if in a grid down situation. I don't want to just survive. I want to be able to still do well. I still want to, you know, I still want to have my things, you know, I still want to, I don't want to ever be in a situation if the grid went down where I have to choose in between like my kids eating or my, or me eating or, you know, or make. So I feel like, and that's how I approach it. So Every, you know, worst case scenario, how do we still do fine in that worst case scenario mm-hmm. and still have all our needs met? Um, um, is that so is that similar of what you guys are kind of coming from? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think in the last podcast, we talked about um, like solar power and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and that's. That's kind of how I look at it. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at all the things that Minnesota in particular is doing in regards to energy production. And I see the potential for things to go really bad. Excuse me. And I just want to maintain that, you know, that, that basic level of comfort and mm-hmm. modernity, I guess, in my lifestyle where it's like, I'd like to yeah. keep having electricity. I'd like to not have to worry about rolling blackouts like Californians have to worry about and that sort of thing. So for me... Not freeze through the winter. Right, right. I mean, people could conceivably die from this sort of thing up here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, people would. Yeah. I think in some cases people probably already have. Um, Well, you know, probably not in relation to the power grid, but, you know, in other cases or whatever, you get your power shut off, something like that. Anyway... I, that's that is how I kind of approach it, where it's like this is something that I should not have to worry about, even in the worst case scenario. Um, I want to be able to have this level of comfort. I want to make sure that I have this much food um, that I don't have to worry about feeding my kids and feeding myself. Yep. So yeah, I mean that's that's definitely my thinking on it as well. So what do you guys do for um, food storage? Because, I mean, you can have a garden um, mm-hmm. and you can get a lot of things out of your garden, but where do you put it? <laughs> you know? Good question. Yes. Uh, canning is probably like the, the first thing that people should learn how to do, canning and pickling. Um, and I know that there's a lot involved with that. It's kind of a big wide world when it comes to that sort of thing, because oh, yeah. there's, like, 
there's a lot of different ways to store the food depending on what the food is. You know, if you got cucumbers, you got to learn how to make pickles, and if you got berries, you got to learn how to make jelly, and blah 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 blah. blah. So I get that it could be a bit overwhelming, but start small. Start with one thing. I'm going to learn how to make jelly today. Okay, fine. make jelly, and then some of it's going to suck and figure out why that went wrong or whatever. Um, so yeah, that that would be my first advice is is canning. Uh, once you start producing food, you need to start preserving it, and that's where I would start. Um, there's other things that I haven't really looked into as much, like dehydrators, um, making jerky, that sort of thing. I haven't really done much of that myself. We do have a dehydrator. We've used that a bit. Um, I don't know. It's not really my favorite thing, I guess, dehydrated. It takes a long time. It takes a long time. It, your whole house is just hotter than heck. You know, it's just, yeah. it just generally kind of sucks. It makes the humidity go away. I mean, like, um, it works. If, if you're into having dried fruit, that's great. You know, whatever. Have your raisins. Good for you. Um, we did spend the money to get a, a freeze dryer, and that is something else. I will say that. Um, it, it's kind of amazing. It's almost like magic at this point what you can do with it there's certain limitations you can't do uh greasy foods um so meat is iffy at best depending yeah. on how you did it um but for veggies and fruits it's phenomenal and, and other things too um there's like a whole weird interest in freeze-drying candy now yeah i don't really understand that myself yeah and there's like somebody local-ish who is doing that like as their gig or something because i'm seeing these uh packages of freeze-dried candy at the gas station i think and... there is also um a setup down in um uh shoot what's it called you know down by the transfer station in beltrami county oh um it's a, uh, I can't remember the name of it but i i have to drive by it to get to the transfer station and take our garbage Okay, um, kind of so, out by me then. Like, um, like right on the county line? Kind of by no, the golf course? No, different one. No, oh, that's the okay. dump. I call that one the dump. The transfer station is the one a little bit more into town. Like um, industrial park? Yeah, industrial park. That's why. Oh, okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, industrial, where, so where the transfer station is for an in, in industrial park. Mm -hmm. When you're coming at it from the direction of my house, we, you pass by a freeze-dried, and they say freeze-dried candy or freeze-dried Skittles. Like, oh, I don't like Skittles anyway. I can't imagine I'd like them better if they were freeze-dried. But I don't, I don't know. I don't really understand the point of freeze-drying candy, especially not candy like Skittles. This probably has like a thousand-year shelf life anyways, so. Yeah, probably. Um, it makes them puffy and crunchy. Weird. It's pretty much entirely a texture thing. Um, okay. You take a, a candy that's chewy and you turn it into something that has much greater volume, it's a lot lighter, and it's crunchier. Hmm. Uh, gummy bears are, are a very good example of that because they get way bigger, kind of like a marshmallow if you stick it in a microwave. And Weird. they're just very flaky. Like, it, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Weird. Well... <sighs> Out of all the things to like keep in my, um, I don't know, EMP stash, it's probably not going to be freeze-dried gummy bears. Yeah, they would take up more room that way, so I, I definitely would not recommend it that way. Yeah. Um, size is a, a consideration when you're doing yeah. Uh Have you guys ever considered building a root cellar? Uh, we've talked about it. It would... Eh. Yeah. It, it 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 could be on our list of projects, but it would be low. We've got a lot of other lot of other projects we're working on that yeah. would be higher priority at the moment. Um, and our basement is cool enough. You know, we could just do that for now, I guess. Yeah, I know uh, our our basement has kids living in it, so it's yeah, really yeah. Yeah, there's a little bit of room down here. I think we could do it if we wanted to, but 
whatever. Yeah, we had talked about building one in the side of a hill. Um, yeah, that would right work for really well for yeah, you guys. Right off where the garden is, have a. So we are building a greenhouse this year. Mm. Um, the greenhouse that we are building is we've. I'm going intentionally going away from the um, steel beams from a high tunnel kind of greenhouse, mm -hmm. and making it wooden structured so I can double layer it. Mm -hmm. um, and then keep it heated long enough because it's going to be strictly for starting seeds and for keeping um, plants. I've typically started my tomato seeds and peppers and that kind of stuff. I start them, onions too, start them in February, March. Tomatoes I, I start in March. Yeah, so uh, that takes up a lot of space though in the kitchen. Like that's yeah. there's not enough room in the kitchen. The tomato plant grows very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so I we disassembled my old greenhouse that was just a metal uh, high tunnel, and it was mm -hmm. it was also double layered, and we had a propane heater in there that was ventless um, to keep it. And there was a couple of years that even in March we still had thirty below days, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we'd have to do something to supplement the heat. But you know, as long you have to keep it above freezing, um, potentially above fifty degrees for a tomato to grow well but then it also helps harden it off before you put it out in your garden because mm -hmm. it was growing outside the whole time, or at least in, you know, had sunlight access to real sunlight instead of just artificial right. lights. Right. Um, so that's something that we're going to do, but we're going to make it out of wood and have like actual windows and that kind of stuff, make it more of a permanent structure. Mm. So we'll see. That'd be a good project. Especially yeah. for starting stuff early, like it's February and March. That's nice and early. Oh, yeah. 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 And it gets a good-sized tomato plant by the time you can actually put it out in June. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Have you thought about doing uh, mushrooms? Like, yes. Uh, I cleared out a whole new space for gardening. I said we didn't do anything for gardening, but I did plan for more gardening. I just uh -huh. didn't grow anything in it yet. Uh, so we, like, took down trees and, um, uh, but I, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, culinary mushrooms and do it outside. Right. Those. Um, yeah, you know, and we'll have that conversation later. This is, that's a different podcast. <laughs> um, we are starting to run a little short on time. So this has been, uh, I, there's just so much to talk about when it comes to things like this. Yeah. It's a whole world of things. Yep. Um, but hopefully there's some inspiration in here, especially for maybe we should have like a discussion on just what people could do that live more in the city, you know, that don't yeah. have access to a lot of land and grow everything on their, you know, in containers or pots or whatever in small spaces. You can still mm -hmm. do a lot. And I know that yeah. the laws are changing um, in a lot of places so that you can at least have a minimal amount of chickens, too. There's also the topic of gorilla gardening, where you gorilla. like take an empty spot in the city, some abandoned lot or something, and start yep. a garden in it. And whether or not it's legal, I I think that kind of thing is pretty cool. Um, yeah, I don't know, subversive agriculture. This is yeah, it's interesting that such a thing could exist, but it does. And I think well, that'd be you can have a garden in a parking lot. Yeah. I mean, you just need to add soil to it, mm -hmm. you know, and bring in the soil, add raised beds, and you can put it right on the cement or on the pavement or whatever. Um, so if there was something abandoned, that's a perfectly good option. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so uh, thank you for coming and... Uh, having this discussion today, I meant to ask you if you as an Italian make pasta. Oh, um, uh, yes, I have. Um, like homemade pasta. I've done it some. Yeah. I did it when I, was a, when I was a cook at that restaurant. Uh, we did make our own pasta. It was quite good. Um, yeah. And it's yeah. really easy to do, too. It is really easy to do. It's hard. Like, it's hard to screw it up, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it is a weird question. Like, I was a little bit hesitant. It's like, okay. Make your own pasta. Like there are some people who like that's their main thing. So and, and they get really fancy with it. And, you know they're adding like beetroot juice and stuff to make 
their own tricolor rotini and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I've made yeah, it. Yeah, I might have done that a few times. Yeah, well, there you go. It's fun. You yeah, it's fun. purple pasta. And I make some yeah. with, like, cocoa powder, and so it's brown. But anyways, oh, we have cool. about five seconds left, so we're going to have to have this okay. conversation later. But lpmn.org if you're interested in finding out more information or becoming part of the party. And we'll see you next week. Thank you. See you.